Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. I am wondering, why are you here? The Riley and Kimmy Show. Where, where, where are we? <laughs> This is the swampland of Dagobah. It's where Luke was trained in the ways of the Jedi. Oh, too bad. I thought it was Florida. It is Florida. That, that is where we're at. Welcome to episode 859 of the Riley and Kimmy show. Right next to me, she's she's wearing her Sith outfit. Kimmy, I got one name. Kimmy. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. 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 <laughs> Hi, and it is May the 4th, Kimmy. May the 4th be with you. Well, it's not May the 5th, and it's not May the 3rd. It's May the 4th. Get it? May the 4th be with you. May the 4th be with you. Get it? Uh, yes, did you get it, Kimmy? I got it. Uh, and that's why you're wearing that Sith outfit, isn't it? Yeah. Or is that the Dark Jedi version? Which I, uh, which, whatever you, you, you got the cloak. Uh, you got the whole thing going there, including mm-hmm. your lightsaber. I guess I could f- uh, figure out which way you are if I see the color of that lightsaber. But we don't need to do that right now. We'd, we'd be able to. Sure. Uh, I, uh, that's okay, Kimmy. We, okay. Uh, I, I don't need you going around here causing all kinds of problems with your, with your lightsaber. All right. Hey, watch out! Stop, stop that. Be, <laughs> behave. All right. It is a Star Wars day. And by the way, Kimmy, just uh, for the fun of it, when was the very first official Star Wars May the 4th celebrated? When when was the very first one? What year? Ooh, um, 2010? You are very close. 2011 is when the very first official, you know, thing happened. Okay. Did you know that there is an official geek day? No, I didn't. There is an official Geek Day coming around the corner. It is on May 25th, a Wednesday. How convenient. Right around comic books. Anyway, Geek Day, celebrated worldwide, is May 25th. Huh. I never knew that. I think the Riley and Kimmy show would like to do something for Geek Day. Yeah. Yes, we do. Hint to our haunts. (laughs) Right? But right now, we are in the moment. We are we are celebrating Star Wars Day. May the 4th be with you. And Kimmy, just around the corner, by the way, something that is not Star Wars related, but it is nerd related and it is geek related, the Riley and Kimmy show is going to be out and about. That's, matter of fact, tomorrow. I can't believe it's already here. It's going to be on Thursday, May the 5th. And I'm not talking about <laughs> uh, May the... <laughs> May the Sith be with you, because there's a May the 5th day mm. for the dark side. Not talking about that. People do celebrate the dark side on the 5th, by the mm. way. I'm not kidding. It's not a joke. Okay. They do. We're not. We're going to be doing some superhero action on the uh, 5th. Yeah. That's right. The Riley and Kimmy show is going to be out at Waterford Lakes Regal Cinemas in Orlando, celebrating Captain America Civil War. Bucky! Bucky, look out! You can't kill Bucky. I'll smash you all. Stop him. He's done mad. Oh, it's going to be it's going to be intense there, Kimmy. Uh-huh. It is Captain America versus Iron Man. My name is Iron Man. 
My armor is bulletproof. My repulsor rays will stop almost anything. Can't wait, can't wait to see the action, right, Gibby? Yeah. And that is happening at Regal Cinemas. If you if you are in Central Florida, please, please swing on out to Regal Cinemas. We will be there on Thursday night for the big uh, the big big movie, and we also be there on Friday as well. Uh, what we're doing is we're part of an event going on with Mike's Comics as we help with Stars of Hope. You can help out to and be a superhero and also enjoy a fantastic movie. This is one I think people are going to be talking about for a long time to come, right, Kimmy? Mm -hmm. I mean a long time. And that's all happening in just a matter of hours. And we have links on our website to Regal Cinemas Waterford Lakes if you're in the area. Please check it out and you know make this your destination point to see Captain America Civil War. Uh, we'd love to see you. We'll be at the uh, Mike's Comics area. You, you, you won't miss us right in the lobby, right, Kimmy? That's right. And love to see you. To all your friends, to all your nerd friends, to come out for this big event. And by the way, just a few days later, we're going to be at another nerd event. Right, Kimmy? Mm-hmm. Yes, another nerd event. It happens on Saturday. It's a big one. It's called Free Comic Book Day. Come out. Come out. Wherever you are. That's right. Come out wherever you are and get ready for free comics. And you can get your free comics at Mike's Comics. In Orlando, that's out on Orange Blossom Trail Road, right across from the Florida Mall. Stop on by. Fun starts about 9 o'clock in the morning. I mean, a lot of activities going on there. Mm -hmm. And vintage comic books will be on hand, by the way, for purchase. If you're looking for key books, they will be there. Tom Roth of Pop Culture Playground will be set up, bringing thousands, and I mean thousands, of comic books. You can start a collection easily with him. Maybe you'll you'll want to say, hey, I want to lean towards Captain America, or maybe Iron Man, or maybe the Avengers. He can help you out, get that collection started, or to fill in blanks. He has those key books that you're looking for. Check that out. That's at Mike's Comics and Collectibles. Mike has uh, quite a few that he is giving away. By the way, uh, check out the video we have available on our website where we interview Mike of Mike's Comics. He talks about what uh, is being given away on Free Comic Book Day. There's a celebrity artist who will be on hand. That's Jason Fabok starting at 11 o'clock till about 4 he'll be there in the afternoon. Bring your comic books for Jason to sign. Uh, and by the way, they don't have to be purchased at Mike's Comics. If you have comics already in your collection, Jason will sign them. Or, you know, Mike has said it himself, head to some other comic book stores, get those, those issues of Jason's that you want, and have them signed at Mike's Comics for free. Mm -hmm. Jason will be signing for free. He'll be there starting at 11. So we would love to see you at Mike's Comics and Collectibles. Right, Kimmy? Yes. Yeah, Kimmy, I have a I have a question for you. Uh-huh. Shall we play a game? Would you like to play a game on this Star Wars day? Oh, yes. All right, it is a Star Wars celebration kind of day. That, that's right, it is Star Wars Day. May the 4th be with you. And I thought being May the 4th, being Star Wars Day, we would do some Star Wars trivia. We're going to ask Kimmy some Star Wars trivia questions, which these will be bouncing around all the movies, Kimmy. All right. I mean, I try to keep them in order a little bit here. Ask you will. <laughs> yes. Answer will I. Uh, oh boy, hey, Kibby's already. Now you've seen every single Star Wars live action film, correct? Uh -huh. But you've not seen most of or many of the animated features, mm -mm. correct? So I'm staying away from the animated films. Okay. Uh, the cartoons. I'm staying just with the live action. 
Not going into the books or anything like that. Okay. We're trying to keep this very simple for you, okay? Okay. But fun. All okay. right. Nobody is going to judge you poorly. All right. All right. So here we go. Are you ready for your Star Wars trivia, Kimmy? I'm ready. I got a bad feeling about this. All right, Kimmy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Kimmy. Here we go. Are you ready? Uh-huh. All right. Here's the question that we have for you. Who killed the Emperor? Do you need some choices? Or do you think you can do that one on your own? Who killed the Emperor? In Return of the Jedi. Who killed the Emperor in Return of the Jedi? Yes. Um, it was, um, yeah, give me a clue. You need a clue? Here. Here's the possibles. Was it? Well, it was Luke. Was it Luke, Leia, Yoda, or Darth Vader? It was Luke. Kimmy is wrong. No, it was Vader. <laughs> it, it was Darth Vader. Vader. Remember, Vader sacrifices his life to, yeah, save, yeah, yeah, to yeah. save his son. All right, Kimmy, here we go. What is the color of Obi-Wan's lightsaber? Green? No, the answer is blue. You know, I will give you some multiple choice with these if you don't know for sure, okay? But if you have one that just jumps right out, you know, go for it. Whichever, all right? Okay. All right, Kimmy, here is the question I have for you. Who tells Luke, join me and I will complete your training? Is it Obi-Wan Kenobi? Is it Darth Vader? Is it Yoda? Is it the Emperor? The Emperor. It is Vader who says that direct line. Okay. Although Emperor does say it, too, in a way. It, it, it's said. But it is Vader according to the official Star Wars answer okay. guide here. And I know where Go they're... for three. Kimmy, you're doing well, okay? Kimmy, you're doing well. Release your anger. All right, Kimmy, get ready. Are, are you ready? Mm-hmm. All right, here we go. What color is the uniform of a TIE fighter pilot? Remember them? Orange. You didn't even let me. <laughs> You're confused here. You're thinking the good people. The TIE fighter pilot is the bad people. Oh. All right, Kimmy. I'm going to give you some possible answers. Black. Let's just give a body here. Is it black? Is it gray? Is it dark blue? Is it green? Black. It is black. You got it there, Kimmy. <laughs> this is going to be fun. All right. What movie does the Emperor first appear in? Which one of the Star Wars films does um, he first appear in? He first appears in um, the fifth one. Episode five, you're saying. Mm-hmm. The Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. You are correct. That's right. Who was the final rescuer to enter Jabba's palace in Return of the Jedi? To rescue Han Solo, that is. Who was the final rescuer do you want me to give you the possible answers here or do you want to throw one out um billy d williams and he was already in place was it possibly princess leia was it luke skywalker was it chewbacca was it r2d2 luke that is right 100 percent correct there who was before luke C-3PO and, or no, R2-D2 and, and C-3PO. Le- Leia as the bounty hunter, remember? She's the one who came in and 
she, oh. she, she brought in uh, Chewbacca, remember? She oh, had, yeah, She yeah, had him yeah. handcuffed, and she had a thermite gr- grenade or whatever it was called in her hand. And, okay. Because Chewbacca, uh, Jabba wasn't going to give her the money that he said he was going to, you know, he was going to shortchange her, basically. All right. And he said that, you know, she was his kind of scum, remember? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, Kim, Kimmy. Who told Luke size matters not? Yoda. That's right, Kimmy. Very good. And let's see. What controls a Jedi's actions but also obeys his commands? Is it the Force? Is it a lightsaber? Is it nothing? Um, the Force. Powerful you have become. The dark side I sense in you. Oh, yeah, you're, you're getting powerful, Kimmy. Yes, you are. Whose presence did Luke sense on the moon of Endor? Now, the moon of Endor, if you don't remember, was from Return of the Jedi. Whose presence did Luke sense? Yoda. Whose presence did Luke sense on the moon of Endor? And basically, he states in so many words that he thinks he's jeopardizing the mission. Does he sense the Emperor, Princess Leia, Darth Vader, or no one? Darth Vader. That's correct, Gibby. Moving on to the next one. You saw some scenes. What color is a blaster's stun bolt when they, you know, stun somebody? Is is it green, blue, white, or red? Red? No, Kimmy. It is blue. You should have known that. I'm kidding. I don't know who. I, I knew that because I'm just a, I'm a geek, but I, I didn't think anybody, I didn't think you'd get that one. But it, it's considered an easy question, okay? Okay. All right. Which hand did Leia use to hold her blaster? Now think when you first saw her, you know, when you were, I don't know how old, and you were, you were watching that film in the movie theater, that old movie theater, that old vaudeville movie theater that was converted into what well, was originally a vaudeville theater converted into a movie theater now right hand you you're right okay very good kimmy what did han use to slice open the belly of his tauntaun remember in the empire strikes back cold scene very frozen he's found a lightsaber a, a, yeah very, very good now what planet did luke say gave him the creeps dagobah you're doing it, see? Okay. Really good, Kimmy. The force is coming into me now. <laughs> Obi-Wan has taught you well. <laughs> yes. Whoa. Yeah. All right, Kimmy, in episode one, The Phantom Menace, who were the two Siths mentioned in the movie, or you, and you, you saw them? Who were the two? Remember, there was always two. Who? There was a master and an apprentice. Tell me, who was the master and the apprentice? That is episode one, The Phantom Menace. You know, the one with Jake Lloyd in it. Yeah. Um, your favorite actor. Um, well, that would be the Emperor and um, Darth Maul. Darth Maul, except the Emperor, we, he wasn't the Emperor yet. I won't ask for his... I won't... Yes, if it was somebody else, I'd be a little more technical. It was Darth Sidious or, yeah, yeah, yeah. or Palpatine, if you wanted right there. Okay, next question. Who was the Jedi Master that was killed in the movie? This is... Phantom. Episode one? Yes, this is Phantom. we're staying in Phantom Menace right now. Qui-Gon. That's correct. Who was the Sith Lord that was killed in that movie? 
Darth Maul. That's correct. Who is the Queen of Naboo? What's her name? Amidala. Uh, Padme Amidala. Uh, I'll accept that. Yeah, that's good enough. At the beginning of the movie, what rank is Obi-Wan Kenobi? Is he a young... Padawan. Uh, wow, he didn't give me... Ch- I was going to give you clues there. I didn't think you could do it. You did it on your own. That's great. Jar Jar Binks. Is he a respected member of Naboo at the beginning of the movie? No. <laughs> no. Uh, no, he's not. Uh, not a respected character, remember, <laughs> from the movie either. All right, here we go. Who is believed to be the chosen one in the movie? Anakin. That's correct. Who is the droid that the queen... Thanks for his bravery. Has a little ceremony. R2-D2. That, that's correct. In episode two, Attack of the Clones, who is Darth Tyrannus, also known as, what is his other name? Darth Tyrannus. I don't know. Played by Christopher Lee. What's the name of his character? Oh, Count Dooku. <laughs> that's right. Whose DNA were the clones made from in that movie? Can you tell me whose DNA? Boba Fett. Uh, no, it was not Boba Fett. I know somebody's screaming right now going, Kimmy, it's... Mm. It is Jango Fett. All right, Kimmy, what is the secret weapon that is being planned for, that's being made in this movie, that's referenced to quite a bit in the film. What is the secret weapon? That's right. Who led the army of clones to save the remaining Jedi in the Coliseum? Remember when, you know, Anakin's all tied up and so is, you know, Obi-Wan and and Padme? Who came down there to rescue him? Who was the who who was the leader? Who was that Jedi that was leading the, the whole campaign? Padme? Who was the Jedi leading the whole thing? There was a Jedi that came down that rescued them. He would eventually fight Count Dooku by himself. Yoda. Yeah, that's right. Master Yoda came down to save the day. Who is Jango Fett's son? Boba Fett. <laughs> that's right. What color is Mace Windu's lightsaber? Purple. And Or Amethyst. Purple. Except that. And what major character does he kill? He cuts his head off. Um, Doesn't that an arena scene that we just talked about? And the head comes rolling. Boba Fett. <laughs> no, the head. Jango Fett. That's right, Jango Fett. Now, in episode three, otherwise known as Revenge of the Sith, who was also known as Darth Sidious? We've given you probably that answer earlier in, in these questions. Darth Sidious is also known as. He would become the Palpatine. Em- That's right. I was going to say he became the emperor. What does Padme name her two children? What does she call them before she passes away? What does she name her two Luke kids? Luke and Leia. That's right. In episode five, The Empire Strikes Back, what bounty hunter captures Han Solo? Boba Fett. That's correct. And where is Boba Fett taking Han Solo? He wants to collect a reward, a bounty. To Jabba. That's correct, Jabba the Hutt. In episode six, Return of the Jedi, who kills Jabba the Hutt in that movie? He dies. Luke. No. He gets strangled, remember? Oh, um, Princess Leia. That's correct. What is the name of the moon that the Death Star orbits in that movie, in Return of the Jedi? I don't know. It's a forest moon. Can't do it? No, where the little Ewoks are. 
Well, that was going to be my next question. What was the name of the creatures that live on that little forest moon? Can you can you and you got that one, so we'll accept that. You can you name the the okay, it's Endor. Who's three? Well, okay, name the three ghosts, the three spirits that show up at the end of the movie. Who are they? Obi Wan. Correct. Um, Anakin and Yoda. That's correct. Now, specifically. Be exact here. What limb did Luke Skywalker chop off from Darth Vader? His arm. Which one? Right arm? Yes, you're correct, Kimmy. His right sword arm. Very good. You, you, good job there, Kimmy. You, you, you did it. You, did I pass? You, you did very well. It is obvious that this contest cannot be decided by our knowledge of the Force. By our skills with a lightsaber. All right, Kimmy, you did it. Congratulations. Right. Yes, may the fourth be with you. Uh, you. You did very well playing our... I didn't even study. You didn't study? See, but you did watch those movies with me. You were paying attention. I was. Yes, and, and you, you did. You know, that's how I knew Kimmy was a keeper, especially when the uh, Star Wars films uh, were re-released back when um, the Phantom Menace first came out because you went with me to the... Re-release, re-releases of all those, and we saw them multiple times in the, in the theaters before Phantom Menace. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Quite a few. So I knew you were a keeper just because of that right oh. there. And then you saw Phantom Menace, I don't know how many times, mm-hmm. with me too. And and was out there for the big toy day, you mm-hmm. know, at, at midnight, grabbing toys and stuff too when they were released. I'm telling you, we need to do that again, Kimmy. Uh, uh, you know, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking forward, forward to that kind of fun. And I, I miss that. That was a fun time. Now, speaking of a fun time... What I thought we would do right now is go back in time, Kimmy, to the golden age of radio because without some things, there would never have been Star Wars. Yes, that is true because there is something that really influenced George Lucas more than what some people realize, and that is movie serials. Movie serials like Flash Gordon and Buck Rogers, they influenced him. The, 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 the adventures of those old shows and the radio versions, because the radio versions were before the movie serials, they influenced George Lucas. They were fun, you know, uh, science fiction, fantasy-based adventures, escapism to the max, and cliffhangers, too. But they actually came from comic strips before that. They went from comic strip form to radio, did very well in both versions, and then jumped to film. And are iconic, and those are the, those that had those influence, or two of many that did, was Flash Gordon and Buck Rogers. In the year 1987, at the John F. Kennedy Space Center, NASA launched the last of America's deep space probes. The payload perched on the nose cone of the Massey rocket was a one-man exploration vessel, Ranger Three. Aboard this compact starship. A lone astronaut, Captain William Buck Rogers, was to experience cosmic forces beyond all comprehension. An awesome rush with death. In the wink of an eye, his life support systems were frozen by temperatures beyond imagination. Ranger 3 was blown out of its planned trajectory into an orbit a thousand times more vast. An orbit which was to return the ship full circle to its point of origin. It's Mother Earth, not in five months, but in 500 years. 
For 500 years, Buck Rogers drifted through a world in which reality and fantasy merged into a timeless dream. Yes, and without the Golden Age of Radio, that would not have happened on television. The Buck Rogers TV show with Gil Gerard. And we would never have probably heard Tweaky. What is that? This is Tweaky. He's your drone. Yes, Tweaky uh, was not in the original, you know, uh, uh, stuff, radio stuff and comic stuff. But And Tweaky is actually probably a major you know, influence from Star Wars itself, you know, uh, Tweaky. But hey, we, we had Tweaky to enjoy. And... Flash Gordon's, I, uh, you know, had a resurrection or an attempt to be resurrected as well after Star Wars, although it influenced Star Wars itself. Yes, we would not have had Flash Gordon. The movie would not have had Queen singing Flash, and Alex Ross would not have had his major influence there because he loves Flash Gordon. Mm. Yes, he does. And matter of fact, that's the reason uh, I grabbed the uh, Flash uh, Gordon special release DVD was just to get the special release uh, Alex Ross uh, sketch of Ming, the Merciless. Okay. But what you see, what's kind of interesting is these two programs influenced Star Wars, and then years later when star wars is a major success they kind of come back and most people unfortunately don't realize that they were there first they were the things that influenced and these these serials also influenced like indiana jones and the creation of that they influenced spielberg but really lucas with the creation of star wars and i thought we'd go back in time on this golden age of radio to you know honor star wars honor the, the its roots, the, the, the influences that created it. And what we'll do here is have two episodes of the Golden Age of Radio, both influences. First, we'll kick off with the one that was first of the two, and that is Buck Rogers. Now, Buck Rogers first appeared August of 1928. Hmm. Extremely successful. And Flash Gordon was created to be a competitor to Buck Rogers. Flash Gordon came to be was in print for the very first time, January 7th, 1934. Both both went to the golden age of radio, old-time radio, and did very well, and then eventually they were movie serials. And here we have two examples. We have both of them, an episode of both. We're going back in time first with Buck Rogers, and then we will follow it up with Flash Gordon here on the Riley and Kimmy Show. This is our way of honoring Star Wars on the Star Wars Day. May the 4th be with you. From the Riley and Kimmy Show. Buck Rogers in the 25th century. Buck Rogers is back on the air. Buck and Wilma and all their fascinating friends and mysterious enemies in the super scientific 25th century. This program is brought to you by the makers of Popsicle, Fudgicle, and Creamsicle. Those delicious frozen confections on a stick. Now I have a swell surprise for you. The famous winner of the typical American boy contest has now become Popsicle Pete. And here's a message from him. Hello, everybody. I sure am glad to meet you. And boy, am I glad I was picked to be the typical American boy. Because now I'm Popsicle Pete. I always wanted to be on the radio. And now I have a chance to tell you about some wonderful presents you can get. Free. Do you want to see them? Hundreds of them. You get them just for saving bags from nifty Popsicle, Pudgicle, and Creamsicle. Some gifts, even better than Christmas. 
You can get a wristwatch, a movie camera, table tennis, a wallet, a doll. Gee, lots of gifts. Just save the bags from pop- Popsicle, Crimsicle, and Fudgicle on a handy stick. Boy, did they taste good. Wholesome, too, and nourishing. Made fresh every day of the finest ingredients. The biggest five cents worth anywhere. And say, kids, get the free illustrated Popsicle gift list at your ice cream store. A free coupon comes with it, worth ten bags. And now for Buck Rogers and his thrilling adventures 500 years in the future. As you probably know, Buck was born right here in our own times, in this 20th century. And the story of how he got started on his amazing adventures so far in the future is mighty interesting. But instead of telling you about it, let's turn the dial that'll project us ahead in time and find out all about it that way. Now, the capital of 25th century America is Niagara. And there it is that Dr. Hewer, the great scientist, has his marvelous laboratory. In one room of it, he's working on a strange-looking device that sends a peculiar greenish light down onto a human figure lying on a table before him. Shall we join him there? Okay, then, here we go. 500 years into the future. The ray is putting you to sleep. To sleep. Relax and sleep. 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 Good. The ray's had its effect. Now I can go ahead. Uh, Yes, yes, come in. Oh, hello, Wilma. Hello, Dr. Hewitt. Hi, why don't you have more light in here? Coming in from outside, I can hardly see a thing in this spooky greenish glow. Part of a little experiment I'm conducting. Oh. But tell me, have you seen anything of Black Barney here in Niagara? Why, no. Hasn't given up his job of Prime Minister on Mars, has he? Oh, no, no. But one of his Martian rocket ship factories has worked out a new control device for me. I rather hoped he'd get here with it today. Oh. Meantime, I've made ready for a final test of this little invention here. Like to stay and see it? I'd love to, Doctor, and you know it, but I just dropped in to find out if you've seen any sign... Oh. What? What's the matter? Doctor, what's happened to him? Eh? Is he all right? <laughs> Doctor. <laughs> I see. <laughs> what's happened to him? Why is he lying here on the table? Uh, don't worry, Wilma. Don't worry? Doctor, uh, what are you... He is offered to be the subject of my test. That's all. But then, well, why is he... simply lying here, comfortably asleep, under the influence of my electrohypnotic ray. Oh. I was afraid something had happened to him. Not a thing. Surely you don't think for a minute that I'd do anything No, to... of course not. But the electrohypnotic ray, are you sure this experiment won't hurt him in any way? Oh, absolutely sure. Well, you can't blame me for being a little shocked for a minute. <laughs> but what's that thing up near his head that looks like a miniature power plant with a loudspeaker on top of it? That, Wilma, is my latest scientific achievement. My newly perfected electrohypnomentalophone. Your what? Well... You remember the mentaloscope, don't you? Sure. When you put a person under the mentaloscope, all his memory showed up on a sort of moving picture screen. That's right. And this is an adaptation of it. With this, the electro-hypno-mentalophone, the memories of the subject will come to us verbally, through the loudspeaker here. Provided, of course, that my calculations have been correct. Hmm. Sort of read a person's mind aloud, you mean? Yes, yes, that's it exactly. Where do you ever get ideas for things like this, Dr. Hewer? Surely people don't just barge in and ask you to work them out. Uh, hardly. <laughs> the scientific research and experimentation that led up to the development of this machine was started way back in the 20th century. 
Why, I always thought that the people back in the 20th century weren't much better than savages in what they knew about scientific things. Oh, not at all, Wilma. Oh, we owe a great deal to the scientists of those days. Were it not for the groundwork laid by men like uh, Einstein, Fitzgerald, Compton, Millikan, and the rest, oh, we'd be without a great many of the things we have today. They never really got anywhere with rocket ship development or anything like that, though, did they? Well, successful rocket flight depends on two things that have been brought into existence only recently. One of them must be inertron. Yes, inertron. The material that defies gravity and makes it possible to lift a big spaceship off the Earth and away from its terrific gravitational pull without too much waste of power. And what's the other? Impervium. The only metal capable of withstanding the high temperature of rocket blasts for any length of time. Oh. Uh, but now, let's go ahead with this experiment. Yes, let's. And you can tell me how this apparatus works as we go along, just what it does to them. Well, not very much to tell you about the apparatus itself, Wilma, except that here, in this little pad under his head, is an extremely sensitive and high-frequency response piezoelectric oscillator of, of quite complicated design. I guess so. Yes. And I've succeeded in tuning it to receive the minute electronic impulses that emanate from his brain. Yeah. Through the medium of a super-radiating protonoformer. Oh, yes, I... Oh, what? In other words, we're able to obtain sufficient amplification of the impulse output to register audibly through a process of thermionic note magnification. Uh, that's all there is to it. I think I'll understand it better when I see this thing work. <laughs> I should be very much disappointed if it doesn't. Oh, don't you worry about that, Doctor. Your inventions always work. I have been rather lucky in most of my experiments, haven't I? <laughs> lucky? Well, now let's proceed with this one. All right. Anything I can do to help? No, thanks. First of all, we'll have to switch in the electroniformer. Is the electroniformer a sort of eerie sound? Yes. And now, when I switch on this microphone and speak to him, my words will be registered directly on his brain. Not through his ears, you understand, but directly on his brain. Uh-huh. And if we're successful, we'll receive his subconscious response through the loudspeaker. Go ahead, Doctor. Now, young man, what is your name? I... I said, what is your name? Buck Rogers. Will made works. Doctor. My invention's a success. But doctor, what happened? It works even better than I thought it would. He didn't move his lips, though. And how could we hear him talk if he didn't move his lips? It read his mind aloud, Wilma. It read his mind aloud. It sounded like his real voice, though. Well, of course. Because he thinks of speech in the same manner that he utters it. Great day. It doesn't seem possible. Ask him some more questions. Yes. Yes, by all means. Listen. Buck, you were born back in the 20th century, were you not? Yes, sir. See, Wilma, his memory's preserved intact. May I ask him a question? Surely, go ahead. Go ahead. Buck. Buck, how did you happen to come to the 25th century? One day in the year 1919, I was in the lower workings of an abandoned mine near the city of Pittsburgh. Yes? All of a sudden, the supports that held up the walls and ceiling gave way, and the whole thing caved in on me. Yes? Some kind of peculiar gas was released. It put me to sleep. It kept me in a state of suspended animation for 500 years. Then the ground shifted and let in fresh air, and I woke up. Well, how did you know you were in suspended animation for 500 years? Instead of the year 1919, it was the year 24-something. Uh, to be exact, it was 24... How did you know what year it was? I was told about it by Lieutenant Wilma Deering, 
A beautiful girl soldier I met when I first did. <laughs> oh, oh, then you knew uh, Wilma Deary. Oh, well, I certainly do. <laughs> She's the finest and bravest girl who ever lived. Yeah. Why, Wilma... Uh, Buck Rogers? Uh, yes? Uh, did you... Uh... Uh, did you find anything new and different when you first came into the 25th century? Oh, a great deal, thanks to Dr. Hewer. Dr. Hewer? The greatest scientist who ever lived. Uh, what, what's this? Nowhere in the universe is there a scientist who's done so much good for humanity <laughs> or done anything that can use... <laughs> no, 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 wait. Uh, wait a minute, Buck. Um, yes? Uh, just uh, forget Dr. Hewer and go on with what you were saying. But he's the man who invented the first rocket ship that took us to the moon. And it was that trip that proved the practicability of interplanetary flight. Practicability of interplanetary flight? Nothing wrong with this machine, Doctor. <laughs> where else have you gone by rocket ship, Buck? First to Mars, where we helped King and Aldo put down an invasion by the Martian Tiger Men. Yes. Then to Saturn and the Saturnian moons, Venus, Jupiter, and okay. even far off Pluto. Which planet did you find most interesting? Well, that's hard to say. Jupiter has the biggest field for exploration simply because it's so much larger than the rest of the planets. Very true. Uh, do you expect to do any more rocketing around through outer space? Well, there's nothing else I'd rather do, sir. Well, Wilma, do you like my little contraption? Oh, it's wonderful, Doctor. I told you it would work. Well, is, uh, is there anything else you'd like to ask, Buck, before I turn off this green ray? Uh-uh. Let's wake him up and see if he remembers anything that happened during the experiment. All right. Go ahead. All right. Come on, Buck. Wake up. Huh? I say, wake up. You've been asleep. Asleep? Uh-huh. Oh, hello, Wilma. Hello. Hey, where'd you come from? What are you doing here? I've just been let in on the test of Dr. Hewer's electro... Uh, uh... <laughs> Electro-hypno-mentalophone. Yeah. Oh, and <laughs> doggone it. Instead of helping you with your test, I fell asleep. Say, I'm awfully sorry, Doctor. Sorry? Oh, yes, sir. I was going to help Buck, you. I put you to sleep with this machine. Oh, really? Yeah, right. Well, I guess that's one on me, then. Uh, how'd it work? Even better than I expected. Oh, good. Oh, it was marvelous, Buck. You told us your whole life history without even opening your mouth. Hey, now, wait a minute. <laughs> oh, oh, it's, it's all right, Buck. You, you didn't say a single thing you shouldn't have. Oh, thank goodness for that. Uh, let, let's put Wilma under it. Oh, no, you don't. <laughs> oh, you have to do something for excitement around here. Come on, Wilma. Oh, you're never satisfied unless there's something exciting going on, are you, Buck? Oh, it's not as bad as all that, Doctor, but... Things have been sort of slow around here lately. And... Wait until we start making tests of the new type of gyrocosmic relativator I've just devised. A new one? Isn't that the equipment on a rocket ship that makes it possible to take off without much loss of time for pickup? That's right. And without the usual physical effects of too quick acceleration. It removes from your ship the normal effects of weight and inertia and momentum and the like. Well, uh, how have you uh, improved the relativator, Doctor? Huck, if this new instrument does what I hope it will... There'll be practically no limit to the speed of a rocket ship immediately upon taking off. Good night. Imagine getting into the control cabin, opening the power lever, and going a couple of thousand miles an hour just like that. That's exactly what we'll be able to do, Wilma. Boy, that hardly seems possible, does it? But uh, when can we test it out, Doctor? Have you already got it installed on a rocket ship? Uh, no, Buck. As a matter of fact, I, I don't even have it yet. Huh? Oh, it's been made up all right. The one we use for the test, but it isn't right here yet. I don't understand, Doctor. Well, yes, sir. Can't we get it here? The sooner we can get it and start trying it out, the sooner we can break the monotony of just sitting around here Wait. doing... Wait, Doc. Listen. Well, yes, Doctor. I hear it, too. Well, yeah. Hear it? Yes, sir. But what under the sun is it? Look here, out of the window. Look, heaven's Wilma. And it's coming right down this way. Wilma! Oh! 
That was Buck Rogers from April 5th, 1939, as we continue our celebration of May the 4th, Star Wars Day, right, Kimmy? Mm -hmm. Let's go back to another influence on Star Wars. Here's Flash Gordon from April 27th, 1935, on The Riley and Kimmy Show. Presenting for the first time in radio, the amazing interplanetary adventures of Flash Gordon and Dale Arden. These thrilling adventures come to you as they are pictured each Sunday in the Comic Weekly, the world's greatest pictorial supplement of humor and adventure. The Comic Weekly, now printed in 32 tabloid-sized pages, each page in full four colors, is distributed everywhere as a part of your Hearst Sunday newspaper. Racing high above the earth, comfortably seated in a giant airliner, Flash Gordon, internationally famous athlete, looks admiringly across the aisle at Dale Arden, the lovely young companion of his air voyage. The minds of both are intent on the terrible destruction which for many months has been approaching the earth with terrific speed. The new planet hurtling through space directly in the path of the earth. Suddenly there's a violent jar. The plane lurches into a spinning nosedive. Flash Gordon's trained muscles carry him across the aisle to the frightened girl. He gathers her in his arms and leaps free of the falling plane. And pulling the ripcord of his parachute, glides to Earth. Don't be frightened, Dale. The plane has crashed, but we're safe. Yes, thanks to you. Hold fast. We're landing now. Careful. Easy. There. Are you all right, Dale? Yes. Good, good. Oh, look, Flash. There's a round steel tower. Where can we be? Why, why, that's the laboratory of the great scientist, Dr. Hans Zarka. Why, he's coming this way. I'll call him to help us. I, I hope you'll pardon us for breaking in on you so unceremoniously, Doctor, but you see, we had to bail out. I know you for what you are, spy. Come to steal my secret. But I have the answer to that. Come with me. Put that gun away, Professor Zarkov. The man is mad, Dale. We'll have to humor him. All right, Professor. All right. We'll come with you. Step down this ladder into this tower. Down, I say. All right. All right. There, now. We are in my rocket ship. And in ten seconds, we will be on our way to the new planet. We will all die. Die for science. <laughs> oh, Flash, the doctor is mad. This rocket ship is rushing away from the Earth with the speed of light, right into the path of the new planet. Hold tight, Dale. We'll escape somewhere. To the new planet. <laughs> to the new planet. We three will save the Earth. Dr. Zarkov. It's still time to bring your rocket ship out of the path of the new planet. No, no, no. <laughs> what, what will you gain for science if we're all killed in the crash? I know who you are, Flash Gordon, the world's greatest athlete. But your trained strength will not save you. Only my mind, the mind of Zarkov, the scientist, can save you. Can save any human soul upon the Earth. Be careful, Flash. He's reaching for the controls. Stand aside, Dr. Zarkov. <laughs> Feel it. The gravitation pull of the new planet. We crash in five seconds. <laughs> the rocket ship hit the planet. Dr. Zarkov and Dale are thrown from the rocket ship unconscious. Flash is thrown clear of the wreckage and lands on his feet uninjured. 
He rushes to the side of the unconscious girl, picks her up, and starts to carry her toward the distant towers of a city on this weird new planet. Suddenly, strange soldiers armed with ray guns appear, and capturing Dale and Flash, force them to come with them to the throne room of Ming the Merciless, Emperor of Mongol and Supreme Ruler of the Universe. It means most merciless majesty of Mongol, supreme ruler of all the peoples of the new planet, thy slave to Lucy. Slaves, sing forward the earth people. Thy slaves obey, O Ming the merciless. Take your hands off me. I'm no slave. I'll meet your emperor as a free man and an equal. <laughs> so, Earthman, you are a free man and my equal. Throw him to the red monkey man in the arena. I would be forced with this free man, my equal. There is thy freedom, earth man. Now you go into the arena to meet the red monkey man of Mongo. Don't worry, Dale. Emperor Ming, I'll show you that I, a free man from the earth, am more than a match for your brainless red monkey man. Flash reaches the bottom step leading to the arena. He leaps and swings at the nearest red monkey man. Then, grasping the falling man-beast under the armpit, Flash whirls him around as a flail, knocking the others in all directions. Emperor Ming, fearing that his monkey men will all be killed, orders his soldiers to destroy Flash with their ray guns. In the midst of the confusion, Princess Aura, the beautiful young daughter of Emperor Ming, calls to Flash. Quick, brave man, this way, here to my balcony. Flash leaps to the royal balcony and joins the gorgeously jeweled princess, who commands the slaves to keep back, while she takes Flash through a secret door and into a passage leading to a private elevator. The two get in, and Aura closes the door and presses the switch. Who are you, beautiful maiden? I am the Princess Aura, only daughter of Ming the Merciless. Princess, I owe you my life. You are brave and handsome and strong. You must not die so young. I have never seen anyone like you as man. Where I come from, Princess, there are many stronger men and better looking. But tell me, Princess, where are you taking me? I am taking you to the private landing frames of my own rocket car. There you will be safe. We have arrived, Earthman. Get in this rocket car. No one can harm you here. But, Princess, hurry, I don't... Hurry, hurry. But, Princess Aura, how am I to rescue the Earth girl? They are off. That is why you are in my private rocket car, Earthman. Why, what do you mean? Bail Arden shall never be rescued by you. The princess! As for you, Earthman, you shall love me or die. Meanwhile, back in the palace, Emperor Ming is talking with Dale Arden. Your companion Flash Gordon has escaped, but not for long. My men will soon capture him. What are you going to do with me, Emperor Ming? You are pleasing to me, Earth Woman. You will become my wife. Never! I don't love you! We men of Mongo have no human traits, no love, no mercy, no kindness. Whether you love me or not makes no difference. You shall become my wife as soon as the ceremony can be arranged. Your Majesty, look into the spacograph. 
Our city is being bombarded by the space gyros of the lion men. The lion men order the entire space fleet to the attack. terrific battle which takes place between Emperor Ming's space fleet and the gyros of the Lion Men, the attacking gyros are driven off. The rocket ship in which Flash Gordon has been held captive is destroyed, and Flash is thrown to the ground unconscious. He opens his eyes to find himself staring up into the great bearded face of Thun, Prince of the Lion Men. Thun lets his great sword fall as he sees Flash Gordon's white skin. Who art thou, white-skinned youth? Speak. Answer me before I cleave thy white body in pieces. Art thou a new kind of soldier of Ming the Merciless? I am the sworn enemy of that fiend Emperor Ming of Mongol. He has captured a girl who is from the earth like myself. I live only to rescue her. An earth man, thou sayest. Yes. And an enemy of Ming the Merciless. That's right. Tell me, are you friend or enemy? I am Thun, Prince of the Lion Men. Hereditary enemies of the men of Mongo. If thou wilt accept me as thy friend, Earthman, I will gladly join thee against Ming the Merciless. Here's my hand on its entrance soon. Good. What is thy name, Earthman? I am called Flash Gordon upon the Earth, Your Highness. Call me soon, friend, and I will call thee Flash. Friend soon, you know how we can gain admittance to the palace that we may rescue Dale Arden? Come. I will show thee a secret way into the palace. Ah, good. The Emperor Ming is away pursuing my gyro fleet. We may be able to rescue the Earth Girl before Ming returns. Flash Gordon and his powerful newfound friend go first to the space gyro of Prince Thune, and there they gaze intently into the thought projector, in which they not only see Dale Arden a captive, but they also have revealed to them a secret way reading, leading to the throne room of the palace. The secret passage is known as the Tunnel of Terror because of the deadly beasts which lie within its gloomy walls. Fighting each step of the way, Flash and his new friend Prince Thune finally find themselves within the palace. A door with great steel bolts stands before them. Quick, Thune! This door must lead directly into the center of the palace. From my memory of the palace, I should say that beyond this door is the great throne room of the Emperor Ming. All right, then. Here we go. Ah, there. All right, too. It is the throne room. Yes. This great statue before us is the God of Death, which stands at the top of the altar steps, directly behind the throne of the Emperor. Listen, do what man? By the great god Tao, it is a royal wedding procession. Ming the Merciless is taking another bride. They're coming up the altar steps soon. I'm going to look around the idol. To look around the idol means death. Thou must not come back. Come back, Flash. Soon. Save yourself. I'm going to the rescue of my earth friend, Dale Arden. She's being forced into a marriage with Ming the Merciless. Prince Thun of the Lion Men does not save himself at the expense of his friends. If thou must die, I will die fighting with thee. Dale! 
This way, Dale. This way, Dale. Down this passage, Earth Maiden. As fast as thou canst run. Quick, dude. They're swarming up the other side. Help me topple the idol over on them. Now. One, two, three. With a grinding crash, the giant idol topples over on the onrushing soldiers of Ming the Merciless, killing those in front and throwing into confusion the whole company. Flash Gordon and Prince Soon, with Dale between them, dash into the secret passage beneath the idol. The way becomes steeper. They slip and fall down, down, a hundred feet or more into a whirling underground river. They're swept along down a raging current and over a falls into a lake. With the powerful strokes of the champion swimmer, Flash sets out for the shore, towing Dale by the hair. They reach the shore, and as Flash reaches down to drag Dale to safety, she screams and disappears beneath the calm surface of the lake, clutched in two powerful green scaly arms. With no thought of his own safety, Flash Gordon dives to Dale's rescue and finds an adventure stranger than any which has gone before. That's Flash Gordon from April 27, 1935, as we celebrate Star Wars. Little influences on Star Wars. We had Flash Gordon there, and before that we had Buck Rogers from 1939, from April 5, 1939. May the 4th be with you at Star Wars Day. Thank you for checking out the Riley and Kimmy shows. We go back in time. By the way, if you enjoy old-time radio, we do this from time to time. We go back to the golden age of radio, and we highlight things that have influenced pop culture, nerdum. Uh, and just may have been forgotten, unfortunately. It's our way of keeping it alive and maybe exposing it to those for the very first time or those who love it to share that, that love with them. By the way, make sure you check us out. We're going to be out and about. We're going to be at Regal Cinemas, Waterford Lakes, for Captain America's Civil War starting Thursday night. Please stop on by. You can help out. You can be a superhero. You can be a Jedi. You can help out Stars of Hope. And be sure to friend and follow us on social media and we'll keep you updated exactly where we are and what's going on it's the fastest way to do so and you can find our social media links where kimmy rileyandkimmy.com don't miss the exciting conclusion of this story in the next episode of the riley and kimmy show with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.